When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30 a.m. for a limited time only. While I've got your attention, I said I wanted to impart you. I've got one show left this year after tonight, uh, and I wanted to leave you with a little something. And I came up with the idea that if you're a, a, a hacker out on the golf course like me, or maybe you're even you're a scratch golfer, it doesn't really matter, but you might have been suffering the effects of not being able to play golf for probably much the last two years. We're now back out and about on the wonderful courses in and around wherever it is that you might be living um, and you might have found yourself like I did, where you spent lockdown watching a heap of instructional uh, things on Instagram, going out and trying to execute it all in one go and realising you're now actually worse than you've ever been. I, that was what happened to me. I was able to, by fluke, find uh, a guy by the name of Brandon Rave, who is a two-time nominee for the PGA Game Development Coach of the Year Award. He played professionally uh, in the Asia Tour. He's played on the Australasian Tour as well. And now he's one of the most highly regarded coaches in the game. He's set up golf academies all throughout Asia, and he coaches all around Melbourne. Uh, So I thought, why not get him on to have a chat to us, to answer any of your queries, your concerns, any of the issues that you're currently having with your golf game, he's here to put your mind at ease, to help you with your problems. Uh, so text him in 0433 98 He's been good enough to jump on the phone. We're going to try and do this next year as well. We thought we'd get the ball rolling as we head into Christmas and people getting on holidays. Brandon Rave, hello, mate. Hello, Sammy. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm really well. So as I said, you, you and I have had three lessons together and it's been fantastic. Um, it has been a joy. <laughs> that's very nice of you to say. Uh, the, and one of the things that I said to you was that I, I feel like I'm worse now because of all the stuff I'd been watching than I was before I went into lockdown. It's not because I hadn't been playing. It's because I thought that I was fixing all these things that were wrong with my game, but I didn't actually really know what was wrong with my game. How common that's is right. that at the moment for the people that you're giving lessons to? So extremely common, hopefully not to my students in particular, because we can certainly get some scope for them individually. Um, I, and I, I use a lot of analogies with you, Sammy, how you know, other sports, you think about cricket, how you've got to understand your game in order to score, you know. Um, so uh, with instructional stuff this, you know, in this day and age, it's, it's, it's very available, isn't it? You turn, yeah, Instagram's on, you can see all sorts of tips. Um, what differentiates the pro from let's say the amateur with you know a lot of conflicting messages is the pro understands their game very well they understand their strengths their weaknesses what they can and can't do and there's a clear plan when they go to the range that they know what to work on and how to you know how to assess what they are working on and that's that's the um that's probably the biggest message there there's a lot of conflicting messages out there and um yeah the better player understands their game very well 
So when when we're coming out of lockdown, and I've got a couple mm-hmm. of texts here that I want to give to you because we I did promise free golf tips, and you've been <laughs> kind enough to give up your time yeah. to do so. Um, but, I'm in between lessons right now at MGA, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we, if people want to find you, they can go to your website or go to your Instagram page that's as right. well, Brandon yeah, Rabe uh, Golf. Instagram. Yep, that's the one. So what's the what's the first thing that you'd be saying, the first bit of advice that you'd be giving to anyone who's getting back out on the course for the first time in what might just be two years? What's the first thing that they should be making sure that they do? Look, you just there are things, you know, if we go back to, say, like a textbook, you know, things like solid fundamentals. We, the first thing we look at is the grip, um, the stance, and your alignment. So when you're lining up um, and you get a video of yourself from behind, just making sure your, your shoulders are square, your hips are square, and your feet are square. Um, that's, that's very generic, to be fair. Um, that, can, that can obviously all go south, much like a cricket. They can set up very well, and they've got issues with whatever it is they're working on, right? So, but from a purely generic standpoint, let's say we have beginners clinics, for example, we would say a conventional grip, a conventional stance, uh, and making sure the club base is in pretty decent positions all throughout the swing and, and you really set yourself up well versus someone who maybe aims 30 metres right, they're going to learn to make compensations naturally. So the more we can mitigate these little things, the easier, the less compensations you have to make, generally speaking. And this is what I found about your lessons is that I was trying to fix problems that I didn't even know what the origins yeah. of were. And that's correct, one of the great correct. things that you do with breaking down. You've got your, your video applications where you, you video from each angle uh, of the swing and then you deconstruct it one piece at a time. And that's the, right, the yeah. way that you were able to keep it so basic to me was, was what I really warmed to. And I think what anyone listening will as well. So... Talk us through what you do from the first time that you sit down with someone and have that very, very first lesson. Yeah, so it kind of depends on their goals. So if someone says to me, look, I'm a, um, I'm a complete beginner and I've got a corporate day tomorrow, believe it, believe it or not, happens quite a lot. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel for them. I'll just get them to really stabilise their body and just find, find the middle of the face more often than not. Um, if someone were to say to me, you know what, I'm, I'm a 20 marker, I want to get down to 10 in a, in a six-month period, we'll go, great. We pretty much do like some mobility tests to find out you know, their range of movement um, in their upper body, their hip mobility. And, and more often than not, I'd get them, get them on my track, man, um, figure out their club head speed. And, and there's sort of priority one issues, which is maybe space or the club path or whatever, whatever it might be. And that sets the template for their, you know, their, their, their lesson structure or their lesson plan going forward. Um, so it kind of depends a little bit on what the person's, I won't say willing to invest, but what their goals are, how much they can practice. Uh, but for the average Joe who can't practice a great deal, you, you really want to make it sort of simple and give them sort of drills they can do in a mirror at home. Um, if someone was willing to practice a lot more, like they're sort of, you know, the range wraps out there three times a week, then we can really break down things very small because you know they have time to actually apply it. Um, we also need to ascertain how, you know, when the next time someone's going to play a round of golf. <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, I'm getting a couple of lessons and I'm playing Cathedral Lodge in a couple of weeks. I was like, Jesus, mate, like, you're killing me. I've got nothing to work with. But that's the reality of, of social golfers, right? They still want to play. So, you, it, yeah, I can't really give you a clear-cut answer and giving you a, you know, a definitive answer, but... 
more often than not, you would do some mobility tests, get some initial videos and some track man data, and that really sets the scope for whatever it is that they're after. So, so when it came to me, you just said, just start hitting some balls, and you videoed me from two yep. different angles, and, and yep. then you automatically identified that, because I played cricket as a kid, I essentially played yep. cover drives. So you, the first thing the you did was fix up how I drew the club back uh, and, and right. my grip, and then that made an Correct. automatic difference to me straight away and meant that That's once right. that I kept practicing that, then we can work on those other things uh, to improve. Right. But the very, very basic thing of how I hold the club and how I draw the club back. And from then Correct. on, it just, it was, you know, that Aladdin song, a whole new world. So I just thought that you identified that <laughs> within right. about a minute of us doing, right. a, doing a lesson together, which was brilliant. Um, I've Correct. got a couple of texts here that have come through. Correct. I know that you can't see these people and what they're doing, but see if you can in your best, uh, to your best of your ability, try and help sure. a couple of these guys out with some of their issues. So this is from Lockie. He says... Uh, G'day, Brandon. Why my whole life have I hit a big fade slice off the tee with my driver? I came back after a year off golf. It has changed into a duck hook or at least a draw. I believe it's something to do with my wrist rolling over, subconsciously nervous that I'll hit my original slice. That's from Lockie. Yep. Okay. So once again, from a purely generic standpoint there, Lock, um, so ultimately when the ball fades left to right, um, assuming you're a right-handed golfer, a left-to-right shape. Um, the, the path of the golf club is moving left, and the face will be open to that line, creating a left-to-right spin. Now, this could be purely psychological. It could be a, a physiological thing with your body. Um, if you're starting to snap hook at left, um, that, that's, that's quite a dramatic change, to be fair. Um, but it could purely be the way your body is moving. So... When, when people sort of hit big slices, their upper body comes really over the top of the ball and they've got a sort of stall, we call it. They back out of it. And so you might be having some low point issues where the club is sort of hitting the ground early and then that kind of creates the, the heel to dig and you flip it over from there. So, so for me, I'd be looking into a mirror there, Lock, and just trying to make sure um, that your hips sort of initiate the downswing sort of laterally and then... Just very sequ- uh, sequential movements from there. If you were to picture a, a baseballer hitting a shot from the front on, you'll see their hips sort of jut out forward and, and the upper body's second and the arms are last. So if you think about that sequence there, um, that should help you sort of get your sequence better from the ground up there, mate. hope that helps a little bit. That's very, very weird to see. That's a, quite a huge change there. Big slice to snap hooks there, mate. Uh, well, like a coach's dream, to be fair. Brandon, that's someone who should absolutely be getting in touch with you via your website or by Brandon Rave Golf and Instagram. Uh, you'll be able to diagnose that uh, within the first couple of minutes of seeing him. This absolutely. Is, this is another one from Colin, who I think you must know. He said, Brandon, can you please give me your best bunker tip? That's from Cole at Heritage. When are you coming back, he says. Oh, Colin, there's a few Collins there. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, the Heritage has gone through... Um, a few changes in the last few years. I won't get into it today, but uh, we sort of left on um, the pretty average terms. And, uh, I'm pretty sure the whole golfing fraternity knows uh, with a few of their previous pros. Um, but look, so where can they find you now? Yeah, well, they can find me at Melbourne Golf Academy in Moorabbin. Um, just go on the Melbourne Golf Academy website. You'll find me there. And you can book online and or my website, brandonradygolf.com. Um, just Google it. Um, Cole Bunkers. What I see nine times out of ten, um, amateur golfers don't have enough loft. Um, not necessarily the club selection, but 
if you choose a 56 degree wedge per se, you've got to open that face up a lot more. Um, having that open face, I call it, it's insurance. So having the open face gives the player um, some intention to create some serious speed. If you were to set up with not enough loft, you're probably not going to get out of the bunker anyway because you know, it's going to hit the lip. So indirectly, I see the player sort of fall back and sort of scoop the ball. Um, that causes all sorts of low point issues again. You're going to hit it fat, hit it thin. So wait forward, open the face as much as you can, and and just don't be afraid to actually commit and go quite hard. As I said, the face is the insurance. You can generate speed, and that speed and the loft is going to create the spin to get out of, get out of the bunker. So open that face, team. Beautifully done. Uh, what about this? How do I fix a bad snap hook? Now, that's a tough one because you, you can't see the, the person asking. That's but right. is there something that's, that's right. pretty common uh, with, a, with that causes a snap hook? Yeah, so look, if you were to, were to envision someone who's snap hooking it, their body weight's kind of falling back and the hands get disconnected from the body and you know, I guess that right hand really takes over. Um, think a very onside dominant player in cricket, very, very whippy with that right hand. Um, no one actually intentionally falls back. Falling back is a consequence move or a byproduct move. So um, just sort of guessing here, but you've just got to feel like the transition of weight is, is, is well, the sequence is correct once again, a bit like locking at the start. Um, from the top of the swing, we've got to feel like we're, we're shifting our energy left into our left foot, assuming you're a right, right footer, uh, sorry, a right-hander. So energy's going down to our left foot. And then we're sort of working around around our left hip. So what I would say to you, generally speaking, if you're snap hooking it, try and feel like your hands are working close to your body, or I guess your hands and your body are working in unison through the ball um, to avoid that disconnection. So effectively, your arms are getting away from your body through the ball, um, and that, that increases the club base rotation. So nice tight little circle. A, a good player to watch for that would be like a, like a Bryson DeChambeau hitting a short iron. So here's where um, YouTube, I guess, from the coaching fraternity can have a negative, you know, negative connotations on all this conflicting research. But I actually prescribe a lot of videos to my students because I actually know what they should be looking at. Um, so you, you'll see I gave a reference there of say, Bryson DeChambeau hitting a short iron. He's someone who has some very good connection with his arms and body and chest through the ball. So that would be a good model for, for your good self there to, to watch in this instance. I say in this instance because it may not be the may not may not be right for someone else. Uh, speaking of Brandon Rave, uh, check out his Instagram. Uh, two-time nominee uh, for the PGA Development Coach uh, of the Year last year and this year. I've had the pleasure of having a few lessons with him. It's totally changed uh, everything about the way uh, in which I swing at a golf ball now. And um, whilst a couple of people that play with me at Cathedral uh, would beg to differ it has had a big improvement <laughs> i just had a bad day but the, the second day much better i was much <laughs> better the second day and it was because i was able to remind myself of doing those things that you th- those basic steps that you had put me through to make sure that i wasn't um committing the same mistakes shot after shot after shot so um for, for those who are just getting back out there too and i'd imagine that the other thing that that, that is a major issue that you would see a lot brandon is people that try to hit the cover off the ball, like the people who are trying mm-hmm. to overhit. I was lucky enough to, to be covering um, the, the last two tournaments in the New South Wales Regional Open Series. So the Murray yeah. Open where Matt Miller, who can't he, by his own admission, can't hit the ball out of sight um, on a dark yeah. night. Great he, golfer. Great, great golfer. golfer. He wins that. 
He beat all the big young hitters. And yep. then Grace yep. Kim, who was the only woman playing in the field at the um, at the uh, at the Western Open in Dubbo, she came second mm-hmm. in that field in her first pro event, um, yeah, in her first event result. as a pro in Australia. And she did it because she was just laser accurate with approach irons and yeah. putter. So you don't have to hit the cover off the ball. But what effect does it have when you try to overhit? To be fair, it's a pretty telling stat on the US. The guys who, well, I can speak, I can attest for the guys, the guys who hit it quite long, there's a correlation between length and, and success, to be fair. But for the regular Joe, who has not a great grasp of their, of, of the face or what their body's doing, just simmer down a little bit. And how I'd sort of define, oh, well, look, what we're trying to do as coaches is make, is, is optimize the player's ball flight. Now, optimise and hit the cover off are the two different things. What we're trying to do is more often not try and hit the middle of the face. If we get the face in a good position at impact, you know, we make the, the spin of the ball optimise, um, you're going to get the most out of your swing. Most pros will tell you that they swing at about 75% of their max, which is a good lesson for the amateur out there. Um, but when you're working with a coach, ideally myself, um, yeah, we're, we're going to work in conjunction with a track man and, and optimise your numbers. So, for example, if, if Joe Bloggs swings it at 102 miles an hour, then, then there'll be a, a particular spin rate that his driver needs to be at to get the most out of it. Um, and then that, that, that works in conjunction with getting fitted correctly and how he hits up on the ball and everything. So there's a lot of dynamics or parameters we use as coaches to optimise a player's swing. But more often than not, um, to get the most out of it, you just need to swing it well and efficiently, and that then creates a, a predictable outcome on the golf course. It means that your best shot goes 250, but you hit three fairways out of 14. But you, at 230 metres, you hit 10 fairways. That could be quite a big differential in your score. So just, as I said, working down, working with a coach on a holistic level and figuring out these things, um, you know, the more efficient you get with your swing, the more club head speed you're probably going to generate anyway. So it does come back to a technical standpoint, doesn't it? Hey, Brandon, uh, we could keep going for hours, but I know you've got another lesson coming yeah, up, we, mate. We Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I know that <laughs> the, the people who have sent through some questions would greatly appreciate the advice that you've given, and we'll, we'll do it all again uh, in the new year, mate. Uh, thank you so much. My pleasure, Sammy. Um, good luck to all the listeners, and happy golfing in the summer. Beautifully done. Brandon Rave, check him out. Uh, his website is also, too, uh, on his Instagram. So the, the beautiful thing about Brandon's Instagram, as opposed to a lot of others, is that he gives you the drills to make sure that you're actually doing the basics right. Rather than just say, hit the ball like this, uh, and then you'll be fine, he goes, re- resets you and recorrects you, and then provides the drills that you need to make sure that you get that consistency in your constantly doing the right thing rather than just trying to uh, fix what you can't even diagnose. So uh, it's well worth checking him out at Brandon Rave Golf. Uh, and he's got his website details on there on Instagram. But if you don't have Instagram, BrandonRaveGolf.com. I've had three lessons with him. He's fantastic. And as you can tell, a ripping bloke uh, as well.